Using an overpriced trash bag. Pricey, pricey, pricey. A bag that breaks. Whippy, whippy, whippy. Or a smelly bag. Stinky, stinky, stinky. Time to switch to hefty, ultra strong trash bags. Always at an ultra low price. Hefty, hefty, hefty. There are best bags yet, and they cost less than Glad Force Flex were sold head to head. So you'll be happy, happy, happy. Hefty, ultra strong with Arm and Hammer odor control. Available at Sam's Club. Hefty, hefty, hefty. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, Happy New Year. You're listening to The Change Agent's Dilemma for Tuesday, January 5th, 2010 on Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Heather Stagel, coming to you live from Atlanta, Georgia, as I do every two weeks on Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. This show is one of the many ways I help equip individuals to lead organizational change at Unclaria LLC. The Change Agent's Dilemma is how to influence change without authority. And what I thought uh, with that topic, with that audience, I thought with the new year that there might be some renewed efforts to get projects approved. And so today I'd like to share some tips for how to get to yes. Now, as a change agent, unfortunately, uh, not everyone in your organization has the same understanding or feels as strongly as you do about your project or that it should be implemented. So whether you are trying to get approval for your entire change initiative, Maybe you're trying to get approval for an enabler of the initiative, such as training or software or, or some other piece, maybe people, whatever it is. Um, some projects might fly under the radar in the beginning, but at some point, someone with power has to say, yes, let's do this for the project to continue. At some point, it'll just bump up against the rest of the organization. At some point, you'll need more money than you can approve yourself uh, in order for the project to keep going. And so. I've compiled a bunch of tips from many years as an industrial engineer early on in my career. Uh, I was an industrial engineer where it was one of my key responsibilities to justify projects and gain approval by the leadership team for those projects. So I'd just like to share a little bit about what I've learned over the years. So one of the first tips is to know the decision makers. Within your organization, find out who makes decisions and how similar decisions are made. So it's both about who is it that needs to approve your project and how, does, how do projects get approved in your organization. So you can look at who has the spending authority for a project of your size. A lot of organizations have thresholds for what different levels of people in the organization can actually spend. You know, maybe managers can spend $5,000, maybe directors can spend $20,000, you know, whatever it is for your organization. It will be different for every organization. But whatever that is, um, make sure you know uh, what, who, what level and who needs to approve a project and ha who can spend the money that you need to spend, assuming that there's money to be spent. And also uh, decide, determine who needs to say yes, because sometimes people might be able to, to write the check. But a lot of times, you know, maybe their manager, even above them, needs to at least know what's going on, know what, where the expense is going. So just have an idea of who really needs to say yes for your project. And also, what is the typical process for vetting different projects and for getting approval? Uh, someone recently uh, tweeted on Twitter, of course, uh, the person, the, their Twitter name is Purple Projects. And they tweeted, never accept a no from someone who doesn't have the power to say yes. 
which I thought was really freeing because a lot of times people say, no, that's not going to work, or no, you'll never get approval for that, and they don't really have the ability to say yes, so you shouldn't be able, you shouldn't let them tell you no. I thought that was a great perspective on um, who, who decision makers are and not taking a no from someone who can't say yes. The next tip is to speak the language. So find out what those decision makers believe is important, what they value, um, how they like to receive information, what are they being measured on. Um, find out what's important to those people and, and what they talk about. And in my experience, when I was an industrial engineer, I was worked for a manufacturing company that was privately held. And one of the key pieces of information that they always wanted to know on something like a cost savings project where they would have to put out some money and expect money in return for their investment, the number they wanted to know was payback, a cal calculation called payback, which is really the cost of the project divided by the annual savings for that project, which equals the number of years that it would take to pay back that project. So if a project cost, costed, uh, say, $10,000, and the, saving, the, the savings on an annual basis was 5000 to pick a number, then that payback is two years. It would take two years to get the money back that they spent on that project. Now, other organizations might be different. Some might use something like net present value, which is an accounting calculation. Some organizations would rather want to know return on investment. What's the percentage return that we're going to get back for the money that we're spending? But every organization is going to be different on what they are going for, um, what their financial target for calculations are for cost savings or whatever project you're trying to, to do. So make sure you know what the right calculation is to do. And also find out if there's some kind of a threshold that your project needs to hit to avoid being dismissed automatically. In my case, when I was calculating that payback number, if it was something like uh, if the payback for a cost savings project was less than two years, if they were going to get their money back in less than two years, it was almost automatic that they would do it because that's sort of a no-brainer. They get their, number, their money back um, instantly almost. Um, but if it was more like four or five years, they wouldn't even want to see it because that's just too far out in the future. There's too much risk there for them to take. So find out if there's some kind of threshold or a range that you, you need to hit uh, just so you know when you're, what you're up against when you're trying to get approval for your project. So when you're, when you're figuring out how to speak the lang language, um, you know, keep in mind that it's easier to demonstrate how your project fits into existing priorities and values rather than to convince someone to adopt new priorities and values and attitudes. So if you can fit it into what people already believe is important, it's a lot easier than trying to convince them that something is important um, if they don't think it is already. The next tip is to befriend someone from accounting. And it could be from engineering, but really what you're looking for is someone who is objective, someone whose job is based on calculations and based on logic. Um, so enlist the help of and support of someone in your organization who, whose blessing of your calculations and logic will give your credibility and your project's credibility a boost. 
So in my case, um, when I was an industrial engineer, one of the key people I worked with, his name was Keith, and he was uh, the controller at the company. So he worked for accounting. He reported to the CFO, and uh, pretty much every calculation that I did, I was running past him to make sure that it passed his sniff test, right, to say, does this make sense from an accounting point of view? Does it make sense within what we say is important to the company, what, what the CFO is going to say, yes, we'll approve that expenditure? Um, so if you can befriend somebody from accounting, sometimes it's engineering. In my case, when I was in engineering, a lot of people came to me because they didn't necessarily have access to accounting. Um, and also it was my job to do calculations like this. And so people would come to me to, to figure out how to calculate things. So what, if you can find someone in your organization who is objective um, and also has that logic and can figure out how to justify something with numbers, they can really help you both to figure it out if you don't know how to do it yourself. They can help you to make sure that it, it speaks the language of the organization. And it can give credibility to your project just based on them being objective and, and you know, give, giving you that check mark that you need. And they can also help you to navigate the approval process since they're probably part of it. The next tip is to determine the competition for resources. So when you are putting together, you know, you're putting together a presentation or some kind of a proposal for a project, it's important to know what you're competing against. Because in most cases, your project is not going to be considered by itself in a vacuum standalone. People are going to be looking at that and saying, well, what else do we need to spend money on? What else do we need to spend time on? And does it fit into what we're trying to do strategically as an organization? So it's important to know that going in so you can position it against whatever you're competing against. And so you can also make sure that it's fitting into the process the way you need it to. So consider, if, is this an either or decision? It, are they going to be choosing your project or another, but not both? You know, are resources that tight that it's not just going to be graded, you know, selected on its own? It's got to compete against specifically other projects. And what are those projects? And why should they consider yours over the rest? Sometimes it has to get, it has to come to that. Consider whether or not it's budget season. Is this something that is going to be budgeted for the next year or the next quarter or however your organization budgets? Is it something that you can get approval for now and spend the money later? Because the decisions that go into making a budget are completely different from whether or not your project is just going to be considered a discretionary spending. So if it's, it's mid-year, it's not budget season, people have to decide, are we going to do this project? They're going to be looking at, at the, the existing budget to see if it can fit versus looking at your project to see if they should fit it into the budget. So depending on your timing will depend on, on how you can position your project, um, whether or not it needs to go into the budget or if it needs to be considered for discretionary spending and fitting into an existing budget. Also, consider whether or not it, this is a capital expense or a, a regular expense. 
Is it something like, uh, in a lot of cases, software is a capital expense where it comes out of a different part of the budget, it gets funded differently, versus if it's an expense that needs to just come out of this year, this year's budget, um, it's a good thing to know how that's going to fit. Again, your accounting friend will be able to help you with that. So that's more about money, but also consider time. And I think a lot of times when we talk about resources and you know we, we don't have the money, we don't have enough money to spend on this project or, or to start this project or um, all that, and, but sometimes there, there is money, but there's not time. So sometimes we're quick to say, oh, well, it's only $10,000, sure, uh, we can do that. Um, but then we look at, well, who's going to have to take this on? as a project, who needs to go through the training, or who needs to um, change the process, who needs to revise their work, who needs to uh, do whatever, and they don't have time. And so it's important when you're trying to get approval for your project to determine what the competition is for time, the time it's going to take to implement the project. Because if there's not time now, to do it, you'll need to propose how you're going to get it, how they're going to get the time, or why they should use overtime or or hire someone else or whatever it is to be able to fit it in, or you know, change priorities so that your pro your project fits and something else goes away. Whatever it is, make sure you consider that when you're doing a proposal for a project. And what you're what you're looking for is looking through all the challenges that you're going to be up against when you're trying to implement this project, whether it's money, whether it's time, or any other resources, and showing that you are thinking through the challenges and can come up with ways to circumvent it or to overcome it or somehow get through it. And by demonstrating that you know what you're talking about, it gives a lot more it gives the manager a lot more confidence that saying yes is not going to be a losing scenario. So determine the competition for resources. Don't just ignore it and um, make sure that if you do have a challenge, if you see a challenge in time or money that you're, you're demonstrating how, how it's going to be worth it to take on the project. And related to that, the next tip is to, to include the negative aspects of the project. So even though most likely you're going to want the project to be approved, if you approach the process more from the point of view of someone who just wants to know the truth, your justification is going to be a lot more credible to people who are, who are making decisions. So you don't want to just load down your analysis with the pros of a project, the benefits of the project. I know it's, I, had, I faced a similar thing where it was just sort of human nature, when you're trying to get something done, trying to get a yes from someone, that you just say, oh yeah, this is going to be fabulous. We're going to get these ten things if we do this. And you don't really mention you know, the three things that could really be deal breakers when you start the project. And so you don't want to just say the positives because most likely someone's going to come up with the negatives and ask you about it, confront you about it. And if you haven't considered it, 
and don't have a way of how you're going to address it, then it's going to look bad and it's going to detract from the credibility of your project. And so you want to include the cons as well to show that you've thought through the, all the implications and how you're going to overcome them, how you're going to compensate for them. And then you're really showing that it's not a risk to say yes to this project. Yes, there are challenges. You're not trying to snow anyone, right? But you do know this is what we're going to face, most likely, and this is what I've de determined we should do to overcome it and how we're going to get through it and succeed anyway. Okay. So do your best to be objective when you present the information, even though, of course, you want to say, yes, we should do this. But if you can equally show these are the benefits, these are the, the negatives, these are the challenges, but this is what we're going to do about it, then you can really show, um, show people why you should do the project, even though you're showing also why not. Right? The next tip is to consider everything. Now, a lot of times when you have a project, you know why. You know, we're going to do this training because we're going to see efficiency benefits. Well, there might be other things that are smaller that really add up. And I've seen this happen a lot of times where, you know, when you, when you reach beyond the obvious implications of what you're trying to, to do, you'll find something significant that can make or even break the project if you haven't looked close enough. And so you want to make sure that you're considering all the small things because when you multiply them by a large number, which you might be doing, large volume, large number of people, or whatever it is, it can really add up to something big and either help your project or it might be something that you otherwise would have been blind to. So you don't really want to nickel and dime the final presentation or the final analysis when you're giving numbers to managers. You don't not, if it's a $100,000 project, you don't necessarily need to share everything to, you know, well, we're going to save $100 on this and $50 on this, right? But my point is that you at least want to look and make sure that it's only $100 and only $50. And not and because when you actually do the math, it might turn out to be something a lot larger. So you don't really want to, you want to make sure that you're not leaving out something important that might otherwise be hiding if you just think that it's small. And an example that I have, um, I can remember a project that I, I did. I was, I was working for a manufacturing company, like I said, industrial engineering, and a lot of times we would be looking at new equipment to be purchasing. That would save us on packaging costs, for example. And so... Uh, one time looking at a new new equipment, we were looking at reducing the size of the cardboard that we would be purchasing, which is cardboard is a very large expense for manufacturing companies. And so looking at that, it seemed like that would be the largest cost savings. But in reality, it was the plastic overwrap that we would save that we didn't need anymore based on the new configuration that was even bigger than the cardboard savings. So if I hadn't looked at that, we wouldn't have seen that that's, that, would have, that was a larger expense and it added even more cost savings onto the project that helped it to be approved. So some things that maybe you want to consider, I'll just list them really quickly. 
things like labor and material expenses, energy, and other utilities and resources. Sometimes something like water uh, can be a large expense when you really add it up. Uh, safety and health effects, uh, cycle time and other process improvements. You know, maybe you've got a process that um, if you reduce it, your customers are going to be ecstatic about. Consider that. Things like inventory levels. There's a lot of money built up in inventory, whether it's in office supplies or <laughs> if it's in um, actual in, you know, physical goods inventory. There's a lot of money built up in that, so if you can reduce that, you can improve cash flows, things like that. Maintenance, equipment, other supplies, customer service impact, uh, management capability and decision-making ability. And uh, what's the impact on, you know, if you can get more information, if that's the reason for your project is to have more information, you can demonstrate that they'll be able to make better decisions, that they'll be able to make decisions more quickly, something like that. Quality implications, error rates, are, you know, if you provide training, are you uh, going to reduce error rates? And what's the impact on other departments? What's the impact on other customers? What's the impact on employees, on satisfaction? You also have installation costs, startup efficiencies. Of, you know, if you're changing the way people do things, they're not going to get it right off the bat, right? There's going to be a little bit of a startup curve in learning the new way. So what do you think that's going to look like? And how do you account for that in your proposal? Training costs, hiring costs, uh, even regulatory compliance. Is your project going to help you to meet some new regulations or some old regulations that, that exist? So all kinds of things that you can consider when looking at your project that can help you to, uh, to consider everything. Something else important, another tip, is to make the analysis dynamic. A lot of times when you, if you're creating a spreadsheet or something like that, you're giving one number, saying, if we do this project, we're going to save X. But a lot of times that number X is not actually going to be the real number, right? Because things change. And since many calculations depend on assumptions of future events or forecasts, if you can provide the ability to test scenarios for variable inputs, then you'll provide a lot more information to the people who are trying to make that decision. So when I say variable inputs, I mean things like um, maybe prices, like labor prices. You know, what if what if minimum wage goes up? What's that going to look like? Material prices, maybe price of gasoline or or anything else that is pertinent to your project. If that changes, what's the implication to your project? Or volume changes, maybe number of phone calls, maybe it's some kind of sales number, whatever that happens to be. If you can give the ability to show what's going to happen, what are the implications to your project based on different assumptions, it will help, it will help managers to see what the risk really is of saying yes to your project. Another thing you can do with making the, the analysis dynamic is to show what the break-even point is for different variables. And what by break-even, I mean at what point is the cost equal to the savings? So at what point does this not make sense anymore? 
maybe another way to say it. Because if you're looking at a volume of you know, 5,000 phone calls, I'm just making that up, and your project doesn't make sense if we are doing you know, 10 phone calls, you have to get down to 10 phone calls before this doesn't make sense, then most likely you're not going to be near 10 phone calls. You're going to be closer to 5,000, if that makes any sense. And so if you can show what the break-even break point is for different variables, at what volume, at what price, does the cost equal the savings, um, you can really show uh, what the risk is to saying yes to the project again. So showing what happens when assumptions change provides some kind of a feeling for managers who, are, who need to say yes or no, uh, gives them a feeling for the risk of the project. And the ability to mitigate risk by demonstrating how robust your project is will help leaders feel comfortable saying yes. The last tip, I've been talking a lot about things that you can calculate. And you know, my history is as an engineer, there were a lot of things that were you could calculate, a lot of things that you just kind of had to guess. Um, and even sometimes you couldn't tell because it's just not something you can quantify. And I know that a lot of projects when you're talking about organizational change are not something that you can calculate. But something that you can do is conduct a trial. And especially for initiatives where the benefits are more intangible, you can conduct a trial to try to measure the improvements that you see. And then you can quantify those and forecast what the implications will be when the scope of the project expands. And one place that I've seen this especially is in balanced scorecard implementations, where I've seen people who want to implement balanced scorecard in the organization, they'll take a department and they'll implement it there and they'll show how you can implement a balanced scorecard, what it takes as far as training and everything else, and administration, and how you can help people to achieve their goals. And so the goals that are reached are the, the output, what you're getting. And so people will start saying, well, how do you do that? And then you can say, well, it took this training, it took this administration in order to do this, so it's probably going to be this much cost for the whole organization. And then you can say, you know, Based on what the goals are for the organization, this is what we'll most likely get out of it. And so you can demonstrate, uh, based on a trial, a small trial, what it would be when the scope expands. And so, uh, um, if you can conduct, if you have the ability to conduct a trial on something that's intangible that you can't really quantify, but you can demonstrate that it'll work, that can go a long way toward again mitigating risk of leaders when they say yes. Another alternative is to share success stories of other companies, other departments that have already implemented a similar project. Uh, if you can't conduct a trial on your own, you can do that too. So as a summary, some of the tips for how to get your project approved is to know the decision makers, speak the language, befriend someone in accounting, Determine the competition for resources. Include the negative aspects in your analysis, but also include how you're going to overcome them. Uh, consider everything when you're putting the analysis together, putting together the, the, the proposal. Make sure that you're not, make sure you uncover all the rocks. 
make the analysis dynamic so you can see what the risk really is depending on when on how assumptions change. And if possible, conduct a trial if you need to in order to, to demonstrate what the benefits are and the costs of something that's more intangible. So it, the next episode coming up in two weeks, the topic is create alignment with four questions. I'll have a guest. His name is Jeff LeBeau of Alignment at Work, LLC. So of course we'll be talking about alignment. He's from Alignment at Work. Um, the next episode is coming up Tuesday, January 19th, 2010 at 11 a.m. Eastern. In the meantime, if you would like to see how we might work together to influence change in your organization, please visit www.enclaria.com. Thank you for listening to the Change Agents, change agents Dilemma. Take care and best wishes for your change initiative. Using an overpriced trash bag. Pricey, pricey, pricey. A bag that breaks. Whippy, whippy, whippy. Or a smelly bag. Stinky, stinky, stinky. Time to switch to hefty, ultra-strong trash bags, always at an ultra-low price. Hefty, hefty, hefty. They're our best bags yet, and they cost less than Glad Force Flex were sold head-to-head. -head. So you'll be... Happy, happy, happy. Hefty, ultra-strong with Arm & Hammer odor control. Available at Sam's Club. Hefty, hefty, hefty. Using an overpriced trash bag. Pricey, pricey, pricey. A bag that breaks. Whippy, whippy, whippy. Or a smelly bag. Stinky, stinky, stinky. Time to switch to hefty, ultra-strong trash bags. Always at an ultra-low price. Hefty, hefty, hefty. They're our best bags yet. And they cost less than Glad Force Flex were sold head-to-head. -head. So you'll be... Happy, happy, happy. Hefty, ultra-strong with Arm & Hammer odor control. Available at Sam's Club. Hefty, hefty, hefty.